already getting off to a good start. Knocking the thing off the pulpit and dropping my phone. Okay. <laughs> good morning, everybody. Good to be with you. If uh, you are 12 and younger and you'd like to go to Camp Pointway, you are released at this, this moment. For those of you who are visiting and don't know, my name is Joe, uh, Joe Ledford. I'm one of the elders here at Pointway Church. Uh, throughout the week, I'm the morning host on 104.3 The Pulse, Christian radio station in the area. So uh, if the voice sounds familiar, that's where you hear it from if you're having deja vu. Uh, Pastor Charlie asked me to preach today, and I was wondering what could I preach about? What, what would be a topic that would be applicable to, uh, to what we're going through today uh, or what I've been going through? And I was hearkened back to when I last preached. Uh, I was talking about how God doesn't always give us what we want at the time we want it. And I had mentioned that I had always wanted a boat. I'm a fisherman, an avid fisherman, and I love fishing. And let's be honest, you can only do so much from the shore. And uh, I've been going through a process of wanting to get a boat for quite a while. And I said, do I need a boat? No. Are they expensive and a lot of trouble? Yes. But I'm stupid. I still want a boat. <laughs> well, God blesses the stupid because I got a boat this summer. And uh, I don't know if you can see it up there. Oh, yes, there she is. Got a 1976 Crestliner. Beautiful boat. And we named her the Laura Jones. Uh, and yeah, there, there I am <laughs> in all my glory. Uh, the Laura Joan, we named her after our moms because we, uh, we thought that would be a nice thing to do. And, uh, wouldn't you know it, the day I picked up the boat this past July is the day I fractured my ankle. <laughs> Sometimes you have to have patience. God gives you some things, but sometimes you got to work into it, right? So as you can see, uh, my wonderful wife did a lot of things to handicap the boat for me, handicapped accessible uh, uh, the boat for me, and put some stairs in there so I could hobble into the boat from my wheelchair off the dock, and we've had a lot of fun with it this summer. But I was stopping to think about, okay, God, you blessed me with this boat, but it hasn't all been smooth sailing this summer. I'm corny. I'm just... <laughs> what have you taught me, God, through the process of getting this boat and enjoying it this summer? My sermon this morning is Lessons from the Boat. Biblical life lessons learned from boat ownership. How many of you who own boats here today? Okay, good smattering of you. So you'll be able to probably relate to some of the things I'm saying. Now, I've learned some lessons that are applicable to boats, but also correlate with our Christian lives. So here comes another cheesy joke. Batten down the hatches, away we go. When we got the boat... The uh, owner, actually it was his son-in-law, the owner was an elderly gentleman who wintered here uh, in Minnesota. 
And uh, he, he got this boat because he needed a boat that was stable. And I needed a boat that was stable because I, even when I'm not in the wheelchair, I have balance issues. So it was great that God brought this boat into my life because it was, it was just what we needed. It was a flat, but our flat floored, it was big and roomy, could get into it. But the gentleman who was selling it for his father-in-law, who decided he wasn't going to come up from Florida anymore, he said, the boat is in great shape, but there is a soft spot in the, in the bow of the boat, in the front of the boat. So, okay, no problem, no problem. We got it, we brought it home, we took it out on the water a few times, and it just seemed to be a little too soft, if you know what I mean. So God provided a friend of ours who knows about fixing up boats. And he decided he was going to help us out. He said, oh, I can, I can repl- replace that little bit of flooring, no problem. He came out and started tearing things up. And the rot was much worse than we imagined. It had started to work its way down the whole way of the the left side of the boat. Now, rot in the boat. One of the things that is a death sentence to a boat is rot. 1 John 1, 7 through 9 tells us, but if we walk in the light, and he is in the light, and we have fellowship with another, and the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We all have sin. We all have rot that gets into our lives every now and then, right? And just like rot in the wood fixtures of a boat, a seagoing vessel, sin will creep through your life and will continue to eat away at you until you are just a shell. And the only way to get rid of what's going on in that vessel is to do the hard work of ripping out that rot. Well, we have a master carpenter in our lives the Lord Jesus Christ. We can't rip that rot out ourselves, and we know that. We are by nature rotten hulks of boats. It's the master carpenter who comes along, tears up those those, uh, floorboards, that decking, takes out those pieces that are no longer good, no longer useful, and replaces them with his salvation and his love and his effectiveness and gives us new life. When we got that new flooring in the boat, my goodness, you could tell the difference. It was solid. It was secure. And it had new life. Many more seasons on the water because of the hard work that Garney put in 
you will have many more seasons on the water during the work of God because of the hard work Jesus did for us on the cross. Christians, we live in this world. Sin grows and spreads, but God can renew you. And another atmosphere or uh, yeah, attribute, that's the word I'm thinking of, of a boat is it lives in water, right? That's its, that's its environment. However, if its environment gets inside it, it goes to the bottom. We are in this world, this ocean, but we are not of it. And whenever we let the rot, the cracks, the things of this world to go unaddressed and things start to pour in little by little. You don't notice it so much at first. It's just a little water in the bilge. But as you go further and further and further, you get to the point where it's unretrievable. The pumps can't pump the water out fast enough. The list can't be corrected. We mustn't ever let ourselves get to that point. We live in this world, but we are not to be taking part in it. So be a ship that is watertight. Keep, keep your mind focused on the things of God. Keep your faith and your trust in Him. And um, that water will not permeate and drag you down. What is it they say about the leaven, a little leaven? What happens with leaven? It just <laughs> explodes, right? Same thing with sin. Christians should live in the world, but not be filled by it. A ship lives in the water, but if the water gets into the ship, it goes to the bottom. So Christians may live in the world, but if the world gets into them, they sink. That was D.L. Moody who said that. So that is the point of rot in the boat. What else can we learn from boats today? Trusting God's timing is not our own timing. Proverbs 3, 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him and He will direct your paths. I said before, the day I picked up the boat is the day I fractured my ankle. And when I learned that it was a severe fracture and I was going to be in a wheelchair for quite a while, and I was going to have this boot on, uh, it was like, okay, I can't be on the boat. I just, just got this boat, God, and now I'm not going to be able to go out and enjoy it. Well, we knew, okay, well, we were going to have that rot looked at eventually. But because of the injury and I wasn't going to be able to go out, we had extra time. So we said, well, why I'm incapacitated, so to speak, we'll have Arnie look at the boat. And lo and behold, the rot was worse than we thought. The seats in the boat 
were those uh, box seats. The wood in those were rotten. We ended up having to replace the flooring, the seats. What else, dear? The bilge, the bilge pump needs replaced. Your knees <laughs> from fixing, getting down and fixing everything. The point was, it was not in my timing to have a busted up ankle and not be able to use this thing that we just bought. But God said, you know what? Yes, I wanted you to have this item. And I want you to be able to enjoy it for a long time to come. And I want you to be safe. So I'm not saying God caused my ankle to break. <laughs> I'm just saying he allowed circumstances to slow me down so something could be taken care of that desperately needed to be taken care of. And if I had just operated in my own power, and my own timing, we wouldn't have gotten it taken care of, and it would have been much, much worse when we finally came around to it. If we were going to maybe get the floor looked at next summer. Huh. Well, after sitting for a whole season, and it we probably would have had to replace the whole floor, the whole deck, instead of just the left side. So God's timing is not necessarily our timing. It's not necessarily convenient to us. Praise God. Thankfully, he has the battle plan, and we just have to accept it. Boy, it's hard to do that, isn't it? It's so hard to accept why things happen in our lives. We want to do things on our own timetable. We want to do things that please us because we think we know it all. Boy, how arrogant we are. So if something is happening in your life, something is getting delayed, and you're like, God, I don't know. You know the desire of my heart. You know this is what I want to do. You know this is the kind of job I want. God, you know this is the, the place I want to be. And God is saying, wait. I challenge you. Wait with an attitude of gratitude. It's hard to be grateful when God says no or God says wait. But he doesn't do it because he's a meanie. He doesn't do it because I'm going to show these lower than nothings. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hurt them so it looks... Make myself look good. No. He is our father. He is a good father. And what does a good father do? He says no. A good father who would, or a father who would say yes to everything their child wants would be a bad father. Because there are bad things for you. We don't always see that. We are children in so many ways. Children don't understand why dad is saying no. But dad does. So, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. You might think you're pretty wise. But when it comes to the God of the universe... You're not. Another lesson from the boat 
Make sure you're filled up. I think you know where I'm going with this. A few weeks ago, uh, Amanda's sister and brother came and visited us. uh, And they had a sibling visit with Amanda. And we were so excited to take them out on the lake. Um, our, Our boat is docked at Camp Jim on Hardy Lake. And we were so excited. It was gorgeous weather. Beautiful weather. Couldn't ask for it. Wasn't too hot. We, w- we went out. We all loaded up in the boat. We were so excited to show the boat off to them and show them the beauty of Minnesota. We all pile up. Amanda checks the gas tank. A little less than half a tank. Oh, that'll be plenty. That'll be good enough. No problem. We get out there, and we're making our circles and stopping and fishing for a little bit and go over here and stop and fish a little bit. And the, t- the hours are clicking by as they do in the boat. It just goes so fast. You're having such a good time. And they're all sitting there, and it's my turn to drive. Yes! So I'm putzing around the lake, and we're looking at the nice houses, and all of a sudden, the boat dies right in the middle of the lake. She's like, honey, why did you turn off the boat? I didn't, dear. It turned itself off. We ran out of gas. We thought for sure we had enough. No, we didn't. So here I am, sitting in the boat with my in-laws, Run out of gas. Boy, this is exactly how I wanted them to remember their trip to Minnesota. (laughs) Give me the oar. An oar came with the boat. Good deal, right? This thing had more cracks in it than a pavement. And I'm trying to Get a little bit of momentum going. It's useless. It's useless. (laughs) So we ended up uh, contacting Lucas, who is the the, uh, maintenance fella at Camp Jim. And he came out to the rescue. Here comes the pontoon from Camp uh, Camp Jim. Across the lake with a gas can for us. Fills us up. My friend, are you going out on your mission field today with less than half a tank of gas? Are you filled up? And of course, we know that we're not talking literal gas. We're talking the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 3.16 tells us, Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in you? The Holy Spirit is God's presence in the lives of his people. The Holy Spirit convicts us when we sin. He points us towards God's truth. He reminds us of God's words and intercedes for us when we don't know how to pray. Have you ever been where you don't know how to pray and you just groan before the Lord? In her article, Ten Roles of the Holy Spirit, which was in Christianity Today, Penny Noyes notes, God gives uh, his followers the Holy Spirit so that we may know him better. 
Since the Holy Spirit is God's Spirit, it knows the thoughts of God and reveals those thoughts to believers. The Holy Spirit opens believers' eyes to the hope of salvation and the inheritance we have in Christ. Jesus knew that his disciples would need the power to carry out their mission to be witnesses to the entire world. The Holy Spirit empowers us to be effective witnesses. Without power or fuel, a boat cannot complete its mission of getting you around and safely back to shore. Same thing with us. If we are not filled with the Holy Spirit, staying in God's Word, keeping that line of communication open between us and our Heavenly Father, our tank will run dry, and we will be useless. We will be like a boat with no power system, no gas, no wind, just floating on the waves with no way to direct ourselves, no way to go where we need to go and do the work that we are called to do. Take the time. We didn't, we didn't take the time to fill up the gas tank. We thought we knew better. We thought we had it all figured out. And lo and behold, things got out of our control <laughs> pretty fast. So take the time today, whether it's your devotions in the morning, praying maybe at lunchtime, seek God daily. Ask him to fill you with his Holy Spirit and top you off with the fuel you need to be effective for God's kingdom. Also, another lesson from the boat is keeping a strong connection to the anchor. How many have heard Jesus described as an anchor? Okay. Pretty well-known metaphor. It's in our songs and, and what have you. But, and it really is an apt description of who Jesus is, but for a few different reasons, different ways. First off, Hebrews 16, 19, or 619 tells us, this hope we have as an anchor of the soul, a hope sure and steadfast, one which enters within the veil. We know anchors are dropped by sailors, so they're not tossed about to and fro when they're in the ocean. But did you know in ancient times, they also used the anchor while they were in harbor? They would take the anchor and go away from the ship, and they would root the anchor in a reef or on some rocks or onto the dock itself for extra stability. This is a great example of Jesus. Jesus is our high priest. He went before us to secure our salvation. The anchor goes before the boat, away from the boat, to anchor that boat and secure it. Jesus made a way for us with God because of what secure 
to go before God in prayer and have a relationship with God because of what Jesus did. As the anchor goes before the ship to secure it, Jesus went before us and became the founder of our salvation. There's also another anchor metaphor that I'd like to use right now. Being strongly connected to that anchor. When we got the boat, an anchor came with it. And the rope it was attached to was in pretty shabby shape. So we got ourselves another boat anchor line. And you're not really supposed to tie the rope right to the anchor. They suggest that you get this metal clasp that screws onto the anchor, and then you clip the, the line, to, uh, or clip an, an anchor chain, an anchor chain to the anchor first. And then at the other end of the anchor chain is where you affix your rope, the line. And the reason is that, that chain gives you extra weight, so you're not pulling the anchor so much along the bottom of the, the sea or the lake. Well, I did that. I got an anchor chain. I got an anchor line. I fastened it to the, the anchor. And then the line had a pre-installed loop when it came from the factory. It had a loop with a little metal kind of sheath on the inside. And I thought to myself, awesome, it's already done for me. Clip, no problems. Well, a few times out, that metal sheath fell off. And it was just the, the rope loop that was come from the factory. Eh, I'm sure it's going to be fine. We were out, and we were actually out with a couple of the, the Mazurka boys. We were out there uh, with Christian and um, Corbin. And we were fishing, and okay, let's pull up the anchor so we can go to our next stop. I'm pulling up the anchor, and Amanda kicks it into gear, and we start going. And I didn't have the boat anchor completely up. It was kind of hanging on the side of the, the boat because we weren't going to go very far. But there was extra junk on the anchor making it heavier and some water and whatever. And I wanted to pull it up a little further. So I was, Amanda, slow down. Amanda, slow. All of a sudden, that rope wasn't heavy anymore. And our anchor and our anchor chain sank to the bottom of Hardy Lake. We know where it is. We're going to go back out with a magnet eventually and see if we can find it. But uh, where do you think it broke? That loop from the factory that I had put so much faith in. My friend, your connection to Jesus... Your connection to the anchor cannot be built by somebody else. It can't be that you're connected to Jesus because mom and dad were Christians. Or you've lived a good life. Or you've given to a TV preacher. Or anything like that. Or you were once saved, but you've fallen away, but... You know, I did the deed the one time. It, 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 it's, it's covered me for the rest of my life, right? I can live the way I want. No. Just as I put faith in somebody else's loop for my anchor, surely it let me down. It fell apart, it broke, and we 
or unanchored, floating listlessly. Make sure you establish your relationship with God. Therefore, we give the most earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. That's Hebrews 2.1. Remember what you've heard, what you've been taught. For God so loved the world, he gave his only Son, that whosoever believeth in him won't perish but have everlasting life. Not whoever had a pastor for a dad. A lot of us PKs think we have it made in the shade. I'm just going to ride dad's coattails to heaven. Doesn't work that way. You are an individual, and you must have an individual relationship with Jesus Christ. And you have to take that step. You have to answer that call. And just as when we got a new anchor and a new chain, I tied the best knot I could figure out to tie to that anchor. <laughs> I took it upon myself to search out the truth. What was the best? And so should you. Choose this day whom you will serve. Are you going to serve yourself? Are you going to serve the world? Are you going to serve Jesus Christ? And there could be only one boss. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always observed, not only in my presence, but now, much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Philippians 2.12 Telling the church of Philippi, don't trust in us, your apostles, your preachers. Don't look to us as your means of salvation. You have to work it out with fear and trembling. You have to do the work. God started it. Jesus finished it. Now it's time for us to study, grow, and mature and deepen our faith. The process of sanctification through the help of the Holy Spirit. It is in each man's own work. No human, no friend, no pastor, not even an apostle can work it out for you. Don't trust the manufacturing company. Don't trust somebody else to tie your knot to Jesus. Also, another lesson from the boat, don't be too proud to either ask for or give help. We are not on this voyage alone. And none of us have it all figured out. None of us have all the answers. The older I get and the more physical infirmities that build up and mount up, I've had to come to a very harsh realization that I can't do everything myself. I have to have help. And the American male is taught, don't ask for help. We're tough, we can do it ourselves. Ingenuity, might makes right. 
Well, what happens when you don't have might? What happens when you're stuck in a wheelchair? What happens when the doctors come with a, a very bad diagnosis? What happens when you're laid off and you don't have the money coming in? What happens if you're dealing with addiction? What happens if you're dealing with life, stuff, it hurts, life hurts. When I, we got this boat, we couldn't fix it ourselves. God brought our friend Arnie along to do it for free. The work he put into our boat would have cost us thousands of dollars if we went to a professional. But a friend who was willing and able and loved us enough to say, I'm going to do it just because I want to do it for you. God helped me by giving me a wonderful help me, my wife who was so concerned for me to get into that boat and have some fun, because for the past two months, I've worked at home. God's blessed. And that's another thing. Thank God for COVID. You ever think you'd hear somebody say that? If it wasn't for COVID, I wouldn't have the equipment and the station would not have the online capability of me to broadcast from home. Because we had to do that during COVID. We couldn't go to the station and broadcast. We were all in our own homes doing our shows from home. And because I had the capability of doing that, I was able to continue work even when this happened. And I can't drive anywhere. And God blessed me with coworkers that are cool with it and say, Joe, just get better. God prepared a way for me. But I needed that help. Amanda made sure we had stairs in the boat so I could get in. She makes sure that she can help me get this boot on and off. And, and, and things like, you know, I can't do it on my own. When we were stuck out there on the lake with no gas, we couldn't do it on our own. It took a friend to come. And help us out. And where the boat is itself is an answer to God, to, to our, our prayers and our concerns. Amanda and I are very bad at backing boat trailers. And with my ankle the way it is and things like that, it was going to be impossible to to keep going to all the different lakes and do all the different docks and everything. Tony Mazurka and his family and Camp Jim were kind enough to not only help us dock it at Camp Jim, but say, we, ain't, we, we don't use this dock, keep it here all summer. Or we could just wheel me out on the dock and help me into the boat and we can enjoy the boat this summer. And on top of that, we'll help you get it out, and you can store it here at the camp this winter. God provides. We just have to be humble enough to accept it. Stop fighting them. Stop fighting others who want to love you 
(laughs) and love on you and bless you. Accepting the kindness of a brother and sister in Christ is not a measure of weakness. It is a blessing that as the family of God, we need to take advantage of. We need to tap into it. So, carry each other's burdens. In a way, in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Galatians 6, 2. Pastor Charlie, we didn't have a way of getting the, the, the new flooring, the new uh, plywood for the, the boat. We didn't have a way to get it to the dock. Pastor Charlie has time, and he has a truck. And he said, I'll do it. We have a good pastor, amen? Finally, this last lesson from the boat. Remember who's the captain. When we're in the boat, whoever's in the driver's seat is the captain. Usually her. I can point to where I want to go. Honey, can you get me in that little cove there? I, I think the, the bass will be laying in there. It's too shallow. No. <laughs> I'm not risking the boat to go in there. No. We'll, we'll go here. We'll go there. And sometimes I get frustrated. It's like, well, you just go where I tell you to go. But no. She's got the depth finder. She's got the controls. She knows what the boat can do. She's the captain. Whoever is in the driver's seat is the captain and is in control. We have ideas where to go, but the captain has the helm, knows the waters, and charts the course. Many are the plans a man man plans in his heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. Proverbs 19.21 Prayerfully plan your day. It's okay to make plans. Just know they are contingent upon God's will. You can make your plans, but live humbly, recognizing that none of our plans will be of value unless those plans come. We can lay the core God, our Father, our Captain. We can lay the course. But if we don't know there's icebergs ahead, We're in trouble. We're going to make a major movie out of us. But God is the captain who knows all. He's not surprised by anything. He's got the charts. He created the charts. He created the time. So, yeah, we can make our plans. We can decide, you know, today I'd like to do this and this and this and this. But first and foremost, Captain, your will be done. And if we trust in him, if we know that God is our loving captain who wants nothing better to give us a safe passage, doesn't mean there's not going to be storms that the boat's got to go through. Doesn't mean you're not going to hit rough water doesn't mean you're not going to get jostled around a lot. You will. I promise. If you haven't yet, and I'm pretty sure we all have, 
You will be. Not every day is a sunny sailing day. The winds come up. The waves rise and crash on us. Sometimes we can't see from here to there. Remember the disciples in the boat when the storm was going on? They were freaking out. And Jesus was in the boat with them, physically. Sometimes you'd love to go back into history and smack them upside the head, wouldn't you? And say, don't you realize who you're standing next to? What more does he have to do? But you know what? We're the same way. We are the same way. God has moved in my life time and time and time and time again. And yet, I doubt him. I get angry. I get frustrated. I pout like a little baby. God, I didn't get my way. God, this stinks, the situation. This isn't fair. Why do I have to go through this? And then a hand comes from heaven and smacks me upside the head. <laughs> Actually, no. <laughs> he should, though. He'd be in his rights, too. He, the Holy Spirit reminds me, hey, knock it off. You know who the captain is. He's never sunk you yet. You've always got into home port. So trust the captain. He's the captain for a reason. And you're not for a reason. <laughs> so, I hope these lessons from the boat, and none of them are earth-shattering. We mostly know both these things already. But sometimes you gotta, you got to hear the lesson more than once for it to sink in, right? Especially if it's algebra. That's a whole other sermon. So as we go to prayer, let us determine to keep rot out of our boat, to keep a firm hold of the anchor, to not be too proud to accept and give help. God's timing is not our timing. Make sure you head out filled up and remember who the captain is. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, I thank you for this opportunity to speak. Heavenly Father, you know that I'm not worthy and none of us are worthy to even think of salvation on our own. We know we can't do it. We know we are broken vessels. We're, we're pots of clay that have been smashed. And God, we struggle every day. But thank God we have given control of our vessel to the captain, to Jesus Christ. Thank you, God, for your patience with us. Thank you, God, for your restoration in our lives, the work you continue to do every day. And Lord God, we just ask that you 
You help us make that decision every day to not take the wheel from your hands and try to, to live our life on our own because we're going to end up on the rocks. We're going to run out of gas. Our anchor is going to fall away because our, our hastily assembled line breaks when it's strained. Father God, we dedicate this week to you and we trust you with the course of our lives. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.